Welcome to the KPC Podcast. This week's message is from Pastor Steve Keller. This morning, we are uh, not going to do what we usually do with the message. And what I typically do is we take the Word of God and I preach a sermon, and the sermon is about us and God. Okay, it's about God and the church. Today, um, just following the natural progression of Romans chapter 1, we're going to talk about God and them. Um, This sermon is titled, Those People. So we're talking about all those people that are not in this room or some room like it in a church across America. We're going to talk about the unbelieving world, and I'm going to talk to you about what is wrong out there according to Scripture. Now, the reason for doing this is not what I used to experience in church growing up. Um, I was in a different denomination, different church, and we talked about the world too. Um, But it was more like, as we talk about the world and what's wrong with the world, we're going to grab our pitchforks and our torches. Um, I told, I I think I've mentioned before about how my pastor would preach about people going to hell, and he sounded really happy that they were. So we are not seeking to be those kinds of Christians or that kind of a church. What we're doing today is we want to get, we really want to get what the problem is, okay? Because we're after God's heart, We're after God's compassion for lost people. Thank God someone had compassion for us when we were lost. Well, well, we want to be those folks coming after them, okay? Um, Don't worry, though. We will return to us and God very soon, okay? So this is kind of like a station break. Um, So let me ask you a question to start off with. Do you ever do do what I do where you look out in the world and, um, you know, whether it's headlines or what's going on in traffic or, you know, what's happening on TV, do you ever look out there at all the emptiness and all the confusion, um, all the prejudice, all the uh, oppression, all the perversion. Ever, do you ever look at the anger and the finger pointing? You know, just, just all that stuff that's going on every day. And, and you just ask yourself, what is going on here? How in the midst of this beautiful creation, okay, can we agree the world God made is beautiful? How in the midst of all this beauty with all of these beautiful people and, and you know, out there, the people who are unique and they're talented and just all of that. And we have all this potential for good with all of these resources out there and here, all this potential for good. How do we end up here? What is the problem out there? The short answer is it's on the front row. It's Mark and it's Neil. No, it's not them. Okay. Let's pray, and then let's dig into this, because, y'all, the Word of God has beautiful things to say to us today. Lord, we, we, we want to begin on, on, uh, with your heart today, and what we have sung about today, which is that you love this world. Um, Lord, Steve, even in, in, in his little word to us, just mentioned the darkness, that you are the light breaking into the darkness. God, that you, you are the one who has come to rescue and to save. And yet, God, around us right now, it is dark, and it is loud, and it, it can even be scary at times, and it's so easy to misidentify and to make all those guys out there the enemy when, Lord, they're the ones you're after. They are the one that you leave the 99 to go after and to bring them into the kingdom. So, God, as we dig into your word, and, Lord, as we look at what the problem is and how all of this connects, I just thank you for the hope and the encouragement and, and the draw that we have to be a part of your solution for a dark world. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so welcome back to our deep dive exploration 
into the book of Romans. Um, I remind you of a couple things from last week, uh, actually a few things. One is that uh, the book of Romans was written to a church, even though it was 2,000 years ago, but it was a church that was living in a culture very much like the culture we're in. Um, it was written to a church that has a lot of the very same struggles that we have. You know, we just think, oh, if we could only go back, we'd be trouble-free. No, they're dealing with the same kind of stuff all over the place. And as we get deeper into Romans, you're going to find out this church had the same mission that we had. They're serving and worshiping the very same Lord for the very same reasons. And so Romans is written to remind them. And because we're so much like them, it's also written to remind us of what always has to be at the center of the church or it doesn't work. And actually, the something is a someone. Who must always be at the center of the church's life? And Paul does, you know, we can tell that Paul's no literary expert when he writes the book of Romans because you're supposed to do this. Whenever you write a script or a screenplay or a book, you always save your big reveal till later on, you know? I mean, I mean if it, it's a mystery, the whodunit comes at the end, right? Well, Paul messes all that up by right out of the gate telling us exactly who's got to be at the center of our life when he says this. Last week, Romans 1, 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. And just so we're all clear, this is not a, a statement of, you know, God's favoritism here, that, well, God loves the Jews, and if, you know, he, he'll give it to the Jews, if there's any left over, then the Gentiles will get it. It's actually a statement of chronology. The Jews first are introduced to relationship with God. The Jews in the Old Testament, they get Jesus, Jesus, Jesus all the way through. New Testament comes, boom, here are the Gentiles. But nevertheless, Paul writes this to us, and he says, look, the one thing that life and church and ministry have to always be about for the church is Jesus Christ. The church cannot become an institution. It cannot be a collection of, of just good people who get together once a week. But, but instead, we've got to be about Jesus. We've got to be about his words to us, the, the, the ways that, that he gives us to walk in I mean, just everything that Jesus is, his objectives, his heart for our broken world, we have got to be all about that as the church. And that's what Paul is getting at when he uses those words, not ashamed. He's saying, look, church, you cannot forget Jesus. I just kind of hinted at it, but can a church kind of forget about Jesus? It's very possible. Don't forget about Jesus. Or the other thing that happens so often in the church, don't just keep Jesus to yourself. Don't get distracted and do this. Don't, don't get derailed or become about anything else but Jesus Christ. Instead, be not ashamed. Preach the gospel. Live the gospel. Be all about Jesus Christ. And there's a reason. Paul just gave it to us. Because the good news of Jesus Christ alone is the power of God to save and transform people. Jesus when he enters into our lives, he makes our hearts work, our minds work. He makes our lives work. It's only Jesus. There's no other power of man. And, and y'all, there's some promising stuff out there, right, on infomercials and, you know, make your teeth whiter and your whole world will change, you know, just all this stuff. But none of that stuff works. The power of man cannot r ransom, save, transform a life, but there's also no other power on earth that can do that. And according to Paul here, this message is for everybody. It's for the Jew and it's for the Gentile. Do we have any Jews in the room? Any people of Jewish descent, okay? 
The message is for you. Do we have any Gentiles in the room? Everybody raise your hand. Everybody. Yeah, that's the rest of us. The message is for us. Jonathan, is it not? This is our word. So here's what we're going to do. Let's pick up where we left off last week now, and let's dive deep. Romans 1, 17, where Paul says, For in the gospel, the good news of Jesus, the righteousness of God is revealed. And this is a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. I want to pause and ask a very simple question in light of that verse. Why? Why do we need the righteousness of God? We've already got salvation, don't we? You know, our ticket is punched. So what in the world do we need God's righteousness for? Paul tells us in verse 18, he says, because the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godless and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. So we need God's righteousness because the wrath of God is. Not the wrath of God was being poured out way back then, or the wrath of God will be poured out later on, but right now, currently, in our world, the wrath of God is being poured out on everyone who engages in godlessness and wickedness. Okay, did anybody feel the weight of that? I mean, that is, that is heavy. That, that is a really serious thing. And so, so what we want to make sure in this room right now, we'll just start with us for a second. I want to make sure I'm not a part of that focus group, right? If the wrath of God is focused on the godless and the wicked, I, I don't want to be in that focus group. So let's make sure we understand what Paul means by godlessness and wickedness, and it's real simple, okay? Godlessness points upward. It's sin against God. Wickedness points outward, and it's all that stuff we see, okay? All the, the, the sins against other people. Okay, so sin against God and sin against others, does that sound vaguely familiar to anybody? The greatest commandments. Paul is talking about the greatest commandments. Here's one case where they show up. Jesus says these words in Mark 12, 30, and 31. The most important commandment is this, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. El numero, uh, numero uno, right? Number one. The second is kind of like the first, though, and it is to love our neighbor as ourselves. So that's the heart of, of, of a godlessness and wickedness. It's just we're breaking the two greatest commands of Jesus Christ. And if we are guilty of that, well, we've, we face the wrath of God right now. We don't want to be guilty of those two sins, Right? Turn it into a praise song. Lord, I do not want to be in that number. We don't want it, okay? We do not want that. But here's what happens so often is unbelieving people and um, even believing people are in violation of what Paul is talking about right here. Now, um, for the unbeliever, for the unbeliever, their godlessness gives birth to their wickedness, okay? Now, for the Christian, which we'll talk about next week, but for the Christian, it's actually the other way around. Their wickedness gives birth to their godlessness. But today, Paul is focusing on the unbeliever, so we're going to look at this problem of godlessness that gives birth to wickedness, okay? So, it's pretty simple. When a person refuses to acknowledge Jesus Christ 
as Lord and Savior. To receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, what is that? That's rejecting the love of God, right? It, it, it's a very, very simple thing. You know what, God, I don't want you. You're throwing the love of God back in God's face. That is embracing godlessness, and it puts you directly underneath God's wrath. That's a whole lot of what's going on out there in our world right now. Now, when I say that statement, that does not sit real well with an unbelieving world, okay? An unbelieving world hears that, and they don't like it. They hear that, and they say, wait a minute. That is not fair at all. Why in the world should I face the wrath of a God I don't even believe exists? You know, how can God punish me for rules and standards I never learned? I was born into sin, right? I don't know any better. I just don't know any better. Your God is not loving, he's not good, and he's not fair. Well, Paul's got a response for that, and his response is in the next verse. Um, in, in verses 19 and 20, Paul objects, uh, answers that objection immediately, basically saying this, good try, but we all know better. Here's the verses. What may be known about God is plain to them, unbelievers. What may be known is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power, His divine nature, they have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are what? Without an excuse. Did you read that behind me? Because you guys just knew that. That was beautiful. Okay, so what Paul is saying is very simple here. He's saying, look, creation... Sorry that doesn't work, that, that you didn't know, that, that you know, uh, it just, hey, it just happened, you know, how in the world am I supposed to, Paul's saying, look, it doesn't work, because creation alone is witness enough to make you wake up. Creation, for your whole life, okay, since creation became creation, creation has been speaking to you, creation has been pointing straight up, and creation has been saying, there is a God. In fact, from the force of Paul's words, creation isn't saying it, creation is screaming at the top of its lungs that there is a God. Creation is saying, look, people, you didn't make any of this, this didn't just happen on its own. This isn't some kind of random chance. God made it. God connected it. God holds it all together. God keeps it all going. The, the, the beauty, the design, the complexity of creation, whether you're looking out there or whether you're just looking in the mirror, the beauty, the design, the complexity of God's creation tells you that there is a God every single moment of every single day and the heart of every man, woman, and child who ever lives and could put thoughts together knows the truth. Yes, there is a God, and I am dependent on Him for life. That's what Scripture says. Now, we can object to that and go, okay, that's fine on the page, but we have some problems here, Steve. What about the 4,200 other religions out there that do not acknowledge God the Father, that refuse to worship Jesus Christ, and they worship other gods instead to go along with that first group you brought up, all those unbelievers out there? They don't believe there is any God at all. Well, according to, God, to Paul, as you read on in verses 21 through 23, they either deny it or they change things up to suit themselves. Listen to this, verses 21 through 23. For although they knew God, 
And see, Paul is not going to get off of that stump. They knew him. For although they knew him, they neither glorified him as God or gave thanks to him. But their, here it is, thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal human beings and birds and animals and reptiles. Paul emphatically and absolutely, and by the way, we live in a world with no absolute truth. You know what we got here? We got an absolute truth. Nevertheless, absolutely says people instinctively know, all people instinctively know, all people have no excuse, but instead of recognizing and responding to the light of God and the love of Jesus Christ, what people do is they deny it, they look the other way, they suppress the truth before them. They refuse to acknowledge and worship and respond to God in humble gratitude. And Paul says, look, when that happens, then something else happens. Their thinking becomes futile. You know what futile means here? Spiritually useless. And their hearts grow dark and foolish. And then Paul takes it even a step further. And he says, at that point, actually, it's not just foolish thinking in your heart. You become a fool. And you worship everything but God. And that's exactly what happens out there in the world. People, whether we know it or not, all people are worshipers. We all worship something. Before Jesus Christ, I was a worshiper. I was just worshiping something else. We are all worshipers. And people today, everyone on the planet, they are worshiping. Some, like he says, trade the glory of God for idols and lies, and they worship them instead. That's your other religions out there. But then the rest, and Tim Keller says this, and I love it, the rest simply plagiarize God. You know, they pass God's work off as their own work, and they worship that instead. And think about an unbelieving world. What do they do? Oh, oh, the advances of mankind. Oh, the, the glory of the forward thinking of this generation. Look how far we've come. Uh, you know, oh, look at this thing I drive. The, oh, the complexity of this man-made thing. It, it, it happens there. And th that is paganism. That's the rest of the unbelieving world. But the problem is the same for both. Both have rejected the overwhelming evidence of God before their eyes that there is one true God, and He exists, and He is Lord. Now, let's put this together, okay, contextually throughout the whole of Scripture, all right? Real quickly, here's what happened in a nutshell. In the beginning, in the beginning, God created everything, including us. And what did mankind do in Genesis? We rejected God, and we chose sin. Now, that's Adam and Eve. But we know later on, God in His mercy sent Jesus Christ to save us from our sins and to give us a new life. But then even after that, there are still some who completely still reject Him today. Therefore, the wrath of God is being poured out upon them. Now, there's a question some of you have. I can see it in some of your eyes. You've got a glare, so I can't see if it's in your eyes. But here's, here's the next great question. How? How is the wrath of God being poured out on, on godless and wicked people today? Verse 24, God gave them over to the sinful 
desires of their hearts. You know what that means? Okay, here's a magnet, all right? Pretend, here's my pretend magnet. Here's my pretend fridge. What happens when you get a magnet close to a fridge? Right? It just, it's drawn to the fridge. Or, or now be a moth, okay? What happens to a moth? Oh, a flame, okay? You know, we run to the flame. Okay, there is supposed to be a natural God-given draw of man to God. We see it with Adam and Eve, right? There's just that, that natural God-given draw of a man or woman to his or her creator is now replaced. And there is a natural draw to sin. That is what Paul is saying. The sinners just naturally go there. And Paul details some of this, and not all of it, but he details some of it in verse 24 through 32. Listen to this. Unbelieving people are now drawn to things like, verse 24, 26, 27, sexual impurity. And, and he lists a little bit over here. That can be the degrading of our bodies with one another. It can be shameful lust. Um, and it can be unnatural and immoral sexual relations. When we, okay, let, let's test Paul. Okay, Paul, is Paul right here? Do you see that in our world today? Everywhere, right? Everywhere. I mean, even now some of the commercials are, are like that. I mean, it's just, it's everywhere. This is all over our society. Verse 25, we already talked about it. The worship of created things instead of the creator. And that happens everywhere from a formal religion to just materialism. Verse 28, uh, they're naturally drawn to a depraved mind, so they do not do what they ought to do. And then, then if we go, okay, well, that's a little too generic, Paul. Could you get specific? He does, verses 29 and 30. Evil, greed, depravity, envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice, gossip. Whew. Oh, he's not done. Slander, God-hating, insolence, arrogance, boastfulness, and then I think this one's fantastic. I mean, it's not fantastic. I just think it's creative of Paul. Uh, creative ways of doing evil. So that pretty much gets the rest of it. But in, in case we need one more, even disobeying their parents. He goes on to say in verse 32, they not only do these things, but they also approve of others who practice those same things. And so a great question now is, okay, well, where, now where does all of this lead, though? This is serious stuff, the wrath of God, given over, doing all this. Where does all this lead? Well, we know from Romans 6.23 where, where things like this lead. The wages of sin is death. All of this is, is, is heading towards a very real spiritual death. We walk, we live, we move about in a world full of people that are dying you know, spiritually, they're like zombies, and I'm not advocating zombie shows. Um, but but it's, it's, it's just true. God's wrath is seen in that the unbelieving world cannot help but follow that path of sin. Because God has given the world what it wanted. God gave the world over to what it insisted upon. See, it's like the old saying, you know, be careful what you wish for, you just might get it. That's what happened in the beginning you know, with Adam and Eve, that's what happened after Christ. Still, we insisted. We will have, we will not have you for our God. No God for us. That, that's the creed of the unbelieving world. But then that brings in an irony. And the irony here, according to the Word of God, is that ironically, well, then sin becomes God. Sin becomes the master. Sin becomes the jailer. And when it comes to a jailer, 
Well, what is a jailer a jailer over? Well, yeah, jail, but prisoners. What's it like when you're a prisoner? Thankfully, I don't know. I almost knew once, but I didn't find out. But, you know, we know a prisoner has no rights. A prisoner has no say. A prisoner has absolutely no control. So sin becomes the God of the unbeliever controlling everything. Now, we can hear that today and go, ooh, boy, that is a bleak picture. Um, I choose not to agree with Paul, but I will tell you this. Before Jesus Christ came into my life, as I look back on Paul's words, he's absolutely right. This is 100% true. You know, Noah has these little green army men. Um, I love them. You know, they're, they're just, you know, they're plastic. You know, you, their feet are welded together and they're holding a gun or whatever, but they're great little things. And you can move them around in all kinds of directions. Before Jesus Christ, Steve Keller was a green army man when it came to sin, you know? I mean, really, I was, I was just led into all kinds of destructive behavior, um, I mean, all, all kinds of, uh, of uh, addictions and obsessions and lusts. That was true of me. Before Jesus Christ, you want to know the number did, sinned it on me? I was invaded, dominated, darkened, deceived. Truth, truth, there was no truth. I mean, lies became my truth. Wrong was right. Bad, uh, bad was my good. God and His Word were invisible to me. Why? Because of what Paul is saying here. Sin blinded me to the realities of God, which, by the way, is a Scripture verse. 2 Corinthians 4.4 says this, Satan has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they now cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So you wonder, why are they doing what they're doing out there? They can't do anything else. They really can't being dominated by sin. But when I look back in my life, who is to blame for all that? Uh, it wasn't God. God sent Jesus Christ. God created the world. God reached out. None of that was, was uh, God's fault. It, it was my fault. I chose all of that as an unbelieving person. Okay, so would you like a solution for all this? Yes. What's the answer for it? Okay, that's, that's the question. Paul will go much deeper into this as we get into the book of Romans, but for now, he gives us a few very strong clues. He makes a few statements that tell us, even for the unbeliever, what is the answer for the problem? Verse 4, we get it. Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's it right there. Jesus Christ has got to be Lord. Uh, in verse 16, Paul adds a little more to that. The gospel of Jesus Christ, or Jesus Christ, the Son of God, received as Savior. He is the power of God saving every person who believes. That's the answer. And then there's the life that comes after it in verse 25, that our Creator, God the Creator, is forever to be praised. That's the answer for the unbeliever. It is salvation in Jesus Christ. Salvation in Jesus Christ is the answer. Jesus must be accepted as Lord and Savior because only Jesus has the power of God Paul talks about to save us from sin, to give us a new life, a life of worship and following Jesus Christ. His salvation is, is the only thing that works. Life does not work without Jesus Christ as the center of who we are and what we do. It doesn't work. It will never work without Jesus. And then, yeah, how can Jesus be the center of your life? 
until he's the Lord of your life. So this is the solution for an unbelieving world. Now, probably are not too many unbelievers in the room. If there are, man, I hope this, get, I, I hope this gets you because this is great news here. Um, but, but most of us are saved. So what in the world are we going to do with this message? Um, here's one thing we as the church do, need to do, okay? And we'll talk more about this one next week because it really comes up there. When it comes to, to the church of Jesus Christ and the world out there, we have got to stop if we're doing it, and if we're not doing it, just don't ever fall for this. We have got to stop loading our muskets and taking aim and firing at them for their behavior. We've got to stop aiming at the behavior of unbelievers and aim at the heart of unbelievers. If this is a huge, huge change for the church. You know, in other words, here's what it was like when I was coming up. Steve, you party too much. You cuss too much. You drink too much. You know, you, you lust too much. You need to stop it. You know what that was like for me as a sinner hearing that stuff? You know, stop, stop, stop all the behavior. It was like, and, and as a parent, I've had this experience. That's like telling a kid with poison ivy not to scratch. They got to scratch. I'm eating up with poison ivy. Stop sending Steve. But I'm a sinner. You are w- wasting breath. Instead, we aim at the heart of people with all the love of God. We actually live out the second greatest commandment. We love our neighbor as ourself. You just start loving people with all that affection and joy that you find in the Word, and you, you get in prayer, and you get energized with it. Worship. You start going to people and saying, hey, you know what? How can I love you? How can I serve you? How can I bless you? How can I be a help? We just love them like crazy. You know what happens when you love somebody like crazy with the love of God? Their antennas go up. You know, at first the antennas are down. You know, shut off to everything that is God. You know, you start loving somebody, the antennas go up. And the question comes, what in the world? Probably starts off with, what in the world's wrong with you? But then very quickly it goes, what is the difference? What, what is it about you? Why do you treat me like this? Why do you pray for me? Why are you helping me like you are? What's different? And boom, the door is wide open. Well, it's about Jesus. And because they're asking the question, now it's, well, go ahead and tell me. I want to hear. We are called to love an unbelieving world. And if you want to know what I just described, it's called proclaiming Jesus Christ with your life. It opens a door for you then to proclaim Jesus Christ with your lips. And I'll I'll end with this one thing, because I've probably hinted at this before. I know that some people are very good at script evangelism, um, and script evangelism can be effective, you know, like when you walk up to some, every now and then the Lord will bless it, and he does with some, but, you know, hey, are you, uh, have you ever told a lie? Well, you're a liar. You've ever told, have you ever stolen anything? Well, you're a thief. For the 20 people that get saved with that, 300 walk away, and they will, they will do everything they can to make sure they never have any contact with a Christian. Script evangelism works for some people. It is not, it is not a great way for the church to love the world to Jesus Christ, okay? Let's love them ferociously, outrageously. Bless them in the name of Jesus, and then let's see what happens, all right? Okay, amen. Thank you for listening to the KPC Podcast. For more messages and information, visit kpc.org.